Hey, podcast listeners, I want you to be among the first to hear about Somley, a new way to discover, shop, and interact with Texas wineries. Somley is an online marketplace where wine enthusiasts can explore wineries, join wine clubs, read reviews, and buy or give the gift of Texas wine. Similar to Etsy, Somley enables artisan wineries to sell their wine direct to consumer and cut out the middleman. Somley's marketplace will be launching in Texas early in 2022. To learn more, visit Somley.com or follow Somley.wine on Instagram. Welcome to This Is Texas Wine. I'm Shelley Wilfong, a wine educator, writer, and Texas wine enthusiast. On this podcast, I share Texas wine news, interview the most important people in the Texas wine industry, and bring you the information you need to be a more informed Texas wine drinker. Thanks for joining me on this Texas wine journey. This is episode 34. I'm doing something a little different today. I'm sharing an interview that I did recently with a fellow wine podcaster, Lawrence Francis is host of the Interpreting Wine podcast. He's got some great insights into how wineries communicate their stories and engage with customers. I think you'll really love his message and his accent. He's from the UK. But first, I'll share the Texas wine news, including national press recognition for several wines and a new study that shows huge growth in the number of Texas wineries. Whether you're a new listener or a returning listener, welcome to This is Texas Wine. VinePair website just published a new list of wineries in each state. The states with the most wineries are California, with just over 6,000, Washington, at about 1,400, and Texas, at 947. That's up from 812 last year, an increase of 135 wineries. In the study, VinePair is counting bonded wineries, which are those that have obtained bonds to cover their excise tax liability and have been approved by the TTB, or the Tax and Trade Bureau. So only small production wineries are legally able to function without bonds. The article notes that there are over 16,000 bonded wineries in the U.S., and they note who would have known that Texas has more wineries than Oregon, the state with the most wineries per capita. There's been all kinds of discussion on some of the Texas Wine Facebook groups about what exactly defines a winery and therefore would have been counted in this study. For instance, does a winery have to have a vineyard or do they have to process their own wine? John Rivenberg of Kerrville Hills Winery contributed his opinion to the discussion saying, the debate of what defines a winery is as old as this industry in Texas. Over the years, I have learned that the model of what a winery is can look like many different businesses, and they're all correct. Some are just a little more authentic to what we envision as a winery or vineyard looks like. I, for one, am very happy to see Texas wine growing. VinePair also named C.L. Buteau's 2019 Desert Willow Vineyard Morvedra one of the top 50 wines of 2021. They say it's perfect for a steak dinner, to treat yourself, or for a wine and cheese night. Their comments say that it's a nice, savory red that smells like sour cherries with a dash of cinnamon. The fruit concentrates on the palate, but good natural acidity breaks it apart, making for a nicely balanced wine. Now, this wine is $35, and it's one that I tasted in the spring at an event at the CL Buto Tasting Room. I loved it enough that I named it one of my favorite Texas Morveds in my subscriber newsletter. 
Congratulations to Randy and Brooke for this recognition of a truly tasty wine. And if you're listening and haven't yet subscribed to my very occasional newsletter, hop on it at thisistexaswine.com, then select Newsletter Sign Up. The Jefferson Cup is an invitational wine competition. They select about 750 wines that exemplify top viticulture and winemaking throughout America. Two Texas wineries won a Jefferson Cup. Paternalis Cellars for their Texas GSM Melange 2017 and Spicewood Vineyards Syrah 2017. And speaking of winning wine competitions, it's getting to be almost comical how many competitions there actually are. I'll save my thoughts on that for another day, but I'd invite you to check out the link in the show notes to find the full listing of the 510 medals awarded to Texas wineries by the Houston Livestock Show and Rodeo. They include the Top Texas Winery, Becker Vineyards, and the Top Texas Wine, High Meadow Wineries, Boom Red from the Texas High Plains 2017. And I helped judge the inaugural Granberry Wine Competition that was sponsored by Go Texan and the Cross Timbers Wine Trail. It was only open to members of the Cross Timbers Wine Trail. I haven't actually seen the official announcement of the winners, but I know that other judges were sharing the winning three wines on social media, so I will too. Coming in at number three is the Lucky Vines Lucky Last Peach Wine. So here's one for you fans of sweet wine. Lucky Vines is in Dublin. Number two, the Cattle Baron Bortex from Newsom Vineyard. This wine is made by Casual Friday in Fort Worth. Bortex is a play on Bordeaux and Texas because this wine is a Bordeaux-style blend. It's 45% Cab Franc, 35% Cabernet Sauvignon, and 20% Malbec. More later about Bordeaux blends. And finally, in the number one spot, the Silver Spur Vineyard 2019 Tanat from Gatewood Estate Vineyard. Silver Spur is in Heiko. So when you judge a wine competition, the wines are blinded, of course, and they're just identified by a number or a code of some sort. Occasionally, you'll taste a wine that is so memorable, and hopefully memorable in a good way, And so you jot down that code and maybe a few notes about the wine, because after the judging, you just really want to know what that wine was. Well, this Silver Spur Tanat was a write-down-the-code wine for me, because it was so delicious. The more Tanat I drink, the more I love Tanat. Congratulations to all the winners. The recent opening of the Slate Theory Winery has everyone sitting up and taking notice. That underground wine cellar is just swell. I haven't been yet, but I loved reading Robin Clark's review on the Texas Wine Lover website. She reports that it's taken three and a half years and over $4 million to overhaul and redesign this venue that was previously the site of the Torre de Pietra. Owner Randy Jones is also responsible for the Slate Mill Wine Collective in Fredericksburg. In her article, Robin says, This is now quite literally one of the most impressive venues with a jaw-dropping, expansive underground cellar, housing barrel rooms, and decadent, reservable tasting rooms, allowing for small, medium, and large parties that want a more intimate or private personal tasting experience. I cannot wait to visit. The finish out looks amazing, and the wines are getting rave reviews, too. Every Thanksgiving, publications print their list of what to drink with the Thanksgiving meal. Emma Balter of the Houston Chronicle says that you should only serve one wine at Thanksgiving and that what you want is the elusive Goldilocks wine. 
That's the wine that everyone at the table will enjoy, or at least not audibly complain about. And it's also the wine that pairs well with most of the food. So which Texas wine does she recommend? That would be the Lost Straw Cellars Texas High Plains Aurora Blanco. That wine is $15 and seems to be pretty widely available. I know I've seen it before at HEB. She says that this is perhaps the most adventurous wine of her five recommendations, but it's worth the leap, and it's an opportunity to spotlight a Texas wine. The Aurora Blanco is a blend of two grapes. It's 70% Albarino, and the rest is Muscat. Even the New York Times had a Texas wine pick in their article, 12 Wines for Thanksgiving and Beyond. Eric Asimov says the crucial characteristic in a Thanksgiving wine is acidity, which in the right proportion gives a wine energy, lift, and liveliness. It's what makes a wine refreshing and helps it to keep you going through a long day full of heavy foods. In 2019, Mr. Asimov wrote about Southhold Farm and Cellars and shared the owner's move from Long Island to Texas. So it's no surprise that his pick is the Southhold Farm and Cellars Texas High Plains Don't Forget to Soar White Wine Blend of 2020. That wine is $21. And he writes, I've been following Southhold from their years on the North Fork of Long Island through their move to Texas. The proprietors, Regan and Carrie Metter, have been unwavering in their pursuit of original wines that reflect their place of origin and their own spare aesthetic. This blend of Roussan and Gruner Veltliner, grown on the high plains of Texas, is bright and vibrant, with intense, earthy, herbal, and citrus flavors that are neither complex nor complicated. It's a true thirst quencher. Find the link to all these stories in the show notes at thisistexaswine.com. And that's the Texas Wine News. My guest today is Lawrence Francis, a London-based fellow wine podcaster with a whopping 453-episode catalog to date. His specialty is helping wineries, regions, and countries tell their story to sommeliers, buyers, journalists, and the wider wine trade. His podcast is also well-loved by students in the diploma program of the WSET, the Wine and Spirit Education Trust, because of a series that he did related to the very challenging WSET diploma program. Lawrence joined me recently to discuss how wineries and regions can more effectively tell their stories to engage with consumers and with the trade. Here's our chat. Well, Lawrence, you're my first fellow wine podcaster, so... I appreciate you coming on today, and you're an expert in helping wineries and wine regions in telling their stories. So can you help my listeners understand what it is that you do on your podcast? Yeah, sure. That would be my pleasure. So um, hi, everyone. I'm Lawrence, as you can hear. I'm from London, and I'm based in London. Um, And I started the Interpreting Wine podcast uh, just over four years ago now. Um, and, and really started with, I think, you know, very modest ambitions. Um, I, I really was just getting into wine, I would say, uh, and just really wanted to try to get more winery stories out there. Initially focusing on Spain, which is where I was living in 2017. Um, and that even led to the name Interpreting Wine, because the whole idea was I'd travel out to meet with Spanish-speaking producers, I'd interview them in Spanish, and then I'd put the uh, content out there in English and and, and help it um, yeah, reach more people all around the world. 
Um, but kind of, yeah, fast forward, um, I'm just about to release my 450th episode. Um, so yeah, really been, um, I would say, you know, learning by doing, uh, really just really, you know, going really deep into this wine podcasting world, you know, this wonderful wine podcasting world. Um, and, and I've really, you know, come to the point where it's now, uh, what I do full time. Um, and, and really I would say, yeah, I've kind of gone from those quite modest ambitions right at the start to, I think, bigger ambitions, really kind of following the data, I would say, and realizing and looking back at how people were consuming my episodes, um, really seeing that, you know, as I genuinely uh, feel, and as you say at the start, I think that this is uh, perhaps the the last, uh, yeah, really big untapped resource for regions and for producers who really want to get out their story uh, to the to the to the wider trade to interested uh, you know uh, wine people um, use you know use podcasts and I, you know and I genuinely think that working with me and, and using interpreting wine is is a really great way to to get those uh, detailed stories out there into the world. When you go work in a certain wine region or from a producer, I know one of the things that you want to do is to help wineries and regions tell the stories that mm. really that really enlighten their brand or bring their brand to life for consumers. And that's got to be a bit challenging because there are so many stories. Where do you even begin? But how do you help people focus in on the stories that are really impactful for their brand and that help tell their story? Where do you, where do you begin? What kinds of stories mm. resonate with consumers? Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a great question. And, uh, you know, one, one that I've spent uh, a lot of time over the summer really, uh, really thinking about. And uh, I, I think, wh you know, what kind of got me down that particular rabbit hole, you know, really trying to identify, um, you know, what kind of stories and, you know, being able to be specific when I talk to, to regions and wineries. I think, it, you know, for me, it was just going back and looking at um, what I call my black hole episodes. <laughs> they're, they're, they're episodes of interpreting wine. And, you know, I'm, I'm you know, feel very proud of, of all of the episodes that are out there. Um, but it, there are some episodes in particular um, that, like a black hole, you know, you just hit play on that podcast and you don't want to stop uh, the, the, the guest. And, it, and again, it's more to do with the guest. It's not, it's not anything me giving myself particularly a pat on the back. It's, it's saying that the guest, the way, the winemaker, they are amazing. They're engaging and they're, and they're drawing you in. And, and those are obviously sort of quite big terms. Um, but I, I then was fascinated by this, so looked at that and analyzed it and, and looked at, okay, what are the, what are the sort of commonalities between those black hole episodes, between those episodes that I've got that engagement? And then I, I really felt like, okay, if it can be identified, then it can be written down and then it can be taught. You know, there's no reason at all why any winemaker with, you know, following some uh, some particular principles that I've identified, you know, can't create that sort of really engaging content of their own. So, um, you know, the, that the long and the short of it is, is that I've I've identified uh, six particular wine stories that um, I believe wineries should be telling um, in order to really draw in the listener, really draw in their audience and really make them 
essentially irresistible i think to to the to whoever they're trying to reach so um and these six they they kind of mirror each other i would say and kind of go from uh things that are visible to to, to things that are, are really not so visible so um starting off with uh, number one which is around the people so so it's again you know it's the it's who is the winemaker who is the who is their spouse you know who who are their family and and just you know letting us know you know a bit more about them um the second wine story is is really all around like you know the kind of potentially unseen influences you know it may have been that first person who helped them get in, them into wine or, or or the you know the first person that gave them that special bottle or whatever it is just you know who is sort of almost off screen or, or off camera who who actually had a, a big role in, in in their particular development um then the third story is really all around the geography i like i like to call it the the drone eye view so it's almost like that you know you get a drone you put it up on the pro- on the property and, and and where they're from and very much around you know where they're where they're growing their grapes and, and where they're where, the, where they're situated so what are you seeing you know what is actually around you what what is it like are we near the sea are we near rivers are we near mountains is it green is it dry you know what is it what does it actually look like give give us that visual um but then again the the fourth story which again you know is is the opposite almost is is then what's going on under the soil you know because so so much is spoken about in terms of uh, terroir and, and uh, you know wines being a reflection of the place that they're from and is essentially if you only ever talk about what's above the the ground that you're only giving half the story so it's like okay let's give a let's give the whole the whole piece you know let, let let's get those uh geology geeks <laughs> excited you know let's let, let's let them know how that how that soil all came together that that has actually then underpinned that surface um view that we're getting um the fifth story is what i like to call um in the in the in the sort of the winery but pre-harvest so like pre that that cut that you that you're you're probably making uh, at harvest time so it's 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 all around you know what is happening in the vineyard really so it's you know what are the what are the what are the type of uh, approach what's the methodology what's going on again what might we see if we were to be stood out there you know during pruning or during uh during um you know actual the farming you know what what does that actually look like and then the sixth story is is then what happens afterwards so you know what are you actually doing in the winery uh, again usually behind closed doors not, not usually something that we're, we're we're lucky enough to see um, but again there are so many decisions made there so really kind of you know really f- give us that full 360 degree picture of of, of what's going on in there and I, and I firmly believe that somebody who's just more generally interested in wine that's going to suck them in really uh, closely but i think even if somebody who's got a passing interest in any one of those particular stories that particular story could be the one that acts as the hook to get them drawn in and you know remembering your brand uh, above another brand very interesting i thought that the sixth story might be the actual finished product of the wine and sitting down to to enjoy that but yeah it's 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 very interesting i mean it's it's almost like that's the um that's the if you like that's the kind of the 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 hidden seventh story but um i i think the i think 
you know, you, you raise a really interesting point because actually, you know, that's usually that 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 what you're saying there, talking about how does the wine look, how does it smell, um, how does it taste. You know, that that's usually where people go uh, like if they're going to go if they're going to tell only one story they'll usually go there and, and, and maybe i'm you know i'm being a little bit um playful with it but by not including that in the stories and saying actually you know you're going to want to talk about that anyway you know no one's going to be able to stop you <laughs> and you won't be able to stop yourself but actually there are these there are these six other stories out there that that if you tell them you know by i i believe you know 100% by the time you get to telling about what's in the glass people are going to be just you know absolutely ready to to try it and and i think you know much more inclined to to go out and seek out that brand again uh, as opposed to a different one i like that and it seems like the answers to those stories the stories themselves pull you in uh, in an emotional way absolutely yeah what well, 100% 100% and and i think it's it's just that um yeah it's that balance of of of, of personal emotion family um you know and every, everyone everyone loves a loves a good story don't they i mean <laughs> come so on we, we 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 grow up um hearing stories and and uh, again you know i think that um, you know there there are some wonderful storytellers in the in in the wine world and and may, maybe it's actually um yeah i don't know you know why but it, it potentially gets you know diluted or or lost along the way and maybe maybe people um who are talking about their wineries you know they they maybe feel uh, you know a, a kind of a compulsion to just talk about the the, the finished product, whereas actually, I, I think it's 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 much more interesting to to talk about all the stages that actually led up to that finished product. So true. I think in Texas, which although it's mm. a very old growing region and winemaking culture, it also is still sometimes called an emerging region. Mm -hmm. And often, a lot of the press coverage of Texas goes back to the same large wineries, the pioneers in our industry that have done such good work through the years. But it's a little bit frustrating for some of the newer, younger wineries that have their own stories. And they're not, they're not as long, but they're still uh, important to tell. So when you go into a new region, how do you decide which stories to tell, which producers to interview and to include on your podcast series? Yeah, yeah, really, really good question. Really, really good question. Um, and and I think you know where where I would go in my answer would actually be just to talk a little bit about um, a, a series I did earlier in the year, which was with wines of Washington State, um, and uh, you know they were, I think, my dream clients because they would they were trying something new with podcasting, and, and they were obviously. London and, and Washington State, uh, you know, a good distance apart. But over the last few years, they've been, you know, gathering a lot of interest because they've been coming over to London and they've been getting people from London to go over there. So there's been this sort of information exchange, um, which obviously kind of COVID stopped. Um, but they, in some way, you know, ha had had used the, the my podcast and used Interpreting Wine to, to still get that information across to them um, and, and one of the very first questions that they asked me was you know who who should we have on you know who, who should be 
the 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 wineries you know given that we'd we'd settled on uh producing a three-part series together um they again you know they were they 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 trusted me and 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 my my answer to them was was i think i think really twofold i think it was really first and foremost who are your best communicators slash educators um because I, i do think that you know we all know those people who are just you know great fun and lots of stories but i think educators are also um you know if you can educate with while being entertaining i think that's really a special skill because it means you can still stay structured educators have to keep that those learning objectives sort of in mind so i think to be structured and entertaining that that's that's a that that's kind of super super powerful um and then I think the other key thing was also um, because there were, we were doing three episodes, and obviously there are way more than three wineries. Um, it, it was really around, you know, who are the people uh, there who are, if you like, the the ones that are most comfortable talking about other other wineries <laughs> and other regions. So, so if you go and and listen to to to, to those episodes, you know, you'll you'll hear. Uh, gentleman Juan Munozoka from Chateau Saint Michel Estates, you know, talking about where he buys his fruit from, and and naming the farmer, and 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 talking about people who, uh, you know, a, a psalm that moved from, I believe, New York, moved to to Washington State to start making wine there, and, and I just think it, it's that it's 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 of course how. The words come out of their mouth but but i just also think it's that you know having that attitude of you know rising tide lifting all the ships and just you know giving that back to the wider region and and i and i personally think that that then in a way it kind of gets around you know the challenges i have i have a lot of sympathy with of, of that are for um generic regions who essentially can't be seen to to be favoring one one individual or one winery over another I, I think it's it's just that you know outside you know washington wine is 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 obviously a big wine region um but there's a lot of people in england and and all over the world who you know still haven't never have never had a, a bottle of washington wine i think you know tell the washington wine story first and then you know maybe maybe just you know go 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 so deep into 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 your own story so i think that was that was really yeah as i say working at the regional level just get get people who are good communicators good educators who are also thinking about their you know thinking more holistically and not and not just about themselves that's such a good tip that i've started to ask the people that come on my podcast Mm. to definitely tell your stories but people are also interested in what you see as industry trends in our area, you know, bigger picture issues that um, you can speak to, especially some of the pioneers in the industry, the way they've seen the industry change and things like that. It's bigger than just their brand. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, I'm, I hope I'm not sort of, you know, preempting uh, questions that you've got there. But, but I, you know, I think the, the Texas wine industry was a was a brilliant example you know because you know we we both tried to to track down 
um, some Texas wine in London, you know, for for this for this very day. You know, we were hoping to uh, that I'd be able to be here and and, and kind of be 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 toasting uh, you with with some Texas wine. But you know, in in this in this instance, it wasn't uh, possible. Um, but again, you know, if that, if that's ever something that in into the future. Um, you know that that the region would like to 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 be available here, and you know would like to sort of have that presence. Um, then yeah, it, I think it's it's very much around yeah telling telling the story of of, of Texas wine and, and and letting a lot of people know that they make wine in Texas <laughs> to begin with. Sure. Um, and then and then building from there. Yeah, it's a, it's a it's a it's a you know I think it's a fascinating challenge to to to, to try to address. I did do a little bit of research to try to track down some Texas wine for you, and I came up empty-handed. But I, I can tell you a couple of interesting things that mm-hmm. you may that you may be interested to know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one is that probably the person in England who has tasted the most Texas wine, his name is Francis Percival, and he's the food editor for the, uh, the World of Fine Wine magazine. Mm-hmm. And he is a judge at a competition called Texom International Wine Awards. And so he has been on the Texas panel for the past, I think he missed last year because of COVID. But prior to that, he had been on the Texas panel for a couple of different years and tasted a lot of Texas wines and then um, has been a real supporter for Texas wines, although not so much as to get a lot in the stores in London because about 95% of Texas wine is consumed in Texas, not mm-hmm. just in the U S but in Texas. Wow. So, uh, it's a, it's a large wine drinking region and we drink it all ourselves. So there's not much <laughs> to go around. I mean, I know I'll just sort of put it out there, you know, not, not sort of slyly trying to encourage the, the producers listening to, <laughs> to, to export some more so, so I can, I can try some, but, um, you know, I, I, I looked up, um, some some stats on 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 our you know on the sort of uh, I think there were UK figures so it might might be slightly off we do have some production in, over in Wales but um, UK was actually the eleventh highest by value um, ex- wine exporting country you know and and as you as you as you say there you know um, it, it's a relatively modest size of production um, but. You know, because we do, we do, um, we do primarily. I, I understand. You know, export to um, Scandinavia. Um, you know, and it's a, it's quite a premium product. It's it's we're already you know exported more than countries like Austria and um, Greece and you know all these other you know really sort of well established um, wine producing countries. So so it's 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 pretty it's pretty amazing really. It's pretty amazing how sometimes you know quite a niche, uh, relatively small production you know can can actually be a, a pretty major player in, 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 in the, in the sort of export market. Okay. So you are about to release episode 450. So over the years that you've been doing this, what are some kind of hot topics or trends that you're seeing raised no matter the region or the producer that you're talking to? Yeah, it re- really, really interesting question. So out of 450, I've, I've probably featured around 170, um, winemakers, um, around 20 odd masters of wine, around 30 sommeliers, 30 odd importers. So, so, you know, I do try to, try to kind of, um, yeah, mix things up, I would say in terms of, uh, yeah, the, 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 
the type of uh, episodes that I get out there. But I, I would say um, the number one point I would just make around looking at, uh, back at all of those episodes, I'd really say for me, where where I'm uh, sitting, I, I, I can't understand why there isn't more producer-first content out there in the wine world. I mean, I, I'm... Again, you know, over here in England, and we're 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 probably, you know, we're sitting at in in a place where there are you know tons of masters of wine. There's tons of you know really experienced people. The home of the the WSET, you know, the Wine and Spirit Education Trust. So you know, there's you know we've got sort of you know qualifications coming out of our ears, and <laughs> in 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 many cases. Um, but I, I I just I, I personally just think that that one of the biggest opportunities really for for everybody you know to just make the that kind of wine world bigger you know to draw more people in is just to to get more producer first content out there um, because you know as I, as I've as I mentioned you know I do believe that uh, kind of you know quite off the cuff you know winemakers are are some of the most engaging people that i know that you know they're uh, you know s sorry sorry to all the others but <laughs> but winemakers are my favorite people to interview you know that they really are because they they just have these these fascinating careers and 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 they just sit sit in this this fascinating place where they're they are farmers you know that on a particular scale I understand that you know you, you can get people you know specializing very much so at, at a larger scale but you know at a sort of medium scale they're often families as well and and and, and they're they're often you know quite closely tied to the traditions and and the, and the customs of, of that region and i just think that actually you know that getting that out there in 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 social media in podcasts in in kind of in written form as well i just i just think it, it it's ultimately a lot more interesting and a lot more appealing to to the end consumer than just focusing on points or uh, you know just focusing on you know what is what can be quite academic um writing you know which which kind of seeks to analyze the 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 wine itself you know i i always say wine is not a spectator sport <laughs> so so i i think i think you've got a you know kind of excite the the you know the, the the sort of wine curious person out there to 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 want to just give it a try you know to 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 want to to want to just um yeah put down the beer or or put down the hard seltzer and 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 pick up the wine and and, and i think that the way to do that is more stories and i think the best people to tell those stories are actually the people who are living it which you know in in the majority of cases is actually the the producer themselves I know that podcasting is the primary way you do that, but you've also done some interesting audio work um, for brands in terms of audio tasting notes, I believe. And also yeah, wondered yeah. if you wanted to talk about um, how you see kind of Instagram live and any mm. other audio formats that you use coming to life in wine. Yeah, no, absolutely. No, I, I, I love, I love all of, all of the above, you know, I think, I think, um, I think you know I've seen some some really brilliant examples of of, of all of the above, which you know I'd be happy to share. But yeah, I I um, I believe, and and this is you know I've genuinely asked around to <laughs> to try and find somebody else that's, that's doing this. But I, I genuinely believe this is uh, the, you know the audio tasting note that you refer to 
I don't know. I haven't come across anybody else out there doing this. But the the idea behind this is that uh, again, producer first content. Um, that I for that working alongside that importer in in England, I went to their producers and I asked their producers to tell us about each of the wines that that were being sold on the website. So you know, we we got to the to the stage where uh, I think that the last count was around the hundred and eighty wines, um, which which each had a, a a tasting note. And the idea here is that um, in an audio format, uh, which isn't sort of you know so demanding, I would say, of the attention as video, um, that audio description is then um, posted on the wine page itself on the website. So, you know, you, you're looking for, you know, you're looking for a Chardonnay and, and there's, and there's three on the, there's three on the site and you're kind of buying sight unseen and, you know, and, and it's, and it's happened, you know, all the, all the more in relation to COVID as well. You're buying maybe more online, you're buying more remotely. Um, wouldn't it be nice to be able to go to each of those three Chardonnays here the producer in their own accent you know in their own voice telling you okay this is this is chardonnay from this particular block that we have at this part of the property and the vines are this old and we do this when we harvest them and we do this when they're in the cellar um and it goes great with this food and and you know in two minutes you could you could you could maybe you know you can have that easily you can have that covered I'd also be happy to to give you um, a link that you can put in the description, where with just with some examples. Yeah, I, I think it's you know I think it's something probably takes longer to explain than just <laughs> than just to go on and listen to. <laughs> the cool thing about during COVID is a lot of Texas wineries did some fabulous virtual tasting mm-hmm. events, mm-hmm. and they mm-hmm. went into a lot of detail about maybe a pack of five wines, and so each of those wines is discussed up, down, and sideways. Everything about that that vintage, where it was grown, how it was made, but that content doesn't carry over onto the website or anywhere that it's accessible unless you sit down and and watch the video that's probably still, uh, you know, living on on Facebook. Yeah, nice. uh, absolutely. And to and to to kind of yeah to link it back to that and to your question about Instagram Live, you know, I I absolutely um, feel that that, that that's that's free content that 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 the people are, are are not using and 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 arguably you know the, the what i've just suggested there which which may or may not sound like um something that that some of the producers listening want to try it's probably something that they've already done <laughs> it probably already exists if if you do a zoom tasting uh, you have the option at the end to to just uh, to 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 save the audio from the zoom and then it takes very very rudimentary uh, very simple um editing skills to just snip out the part where you're talking about that particular wine and and there you go you you've got a you know a 2 3 minute um tasting note and 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 a description which you know, again, in in our experience, in in putting those on the website, people love, and they absolutely will play before they buy as as a sort of a preview. But then, I think interestingly as well, they'll they'll play it afterwards as well. You know, you're sitting down with some friends or with with loved ones. Um, you, you can just put that on for for three minutes, and 
you know, you, you kind of automatically get this kind of virtual <laughs> tasting yeah. from the winemaker right there, right in your living room. And, and, and you know, while the winemaker's asleep. <laughs> I haven't done a, a lot of Instagram live, but I've always mm. thought it would be such a great opportunity for wineries to present each of their new wine club releases on Instagram live and then link to that when they send out their shipments to their wine club. One, yeah, one, one, one hundred percent. You know, I, I think, uh, yeah, I think it'd be interesting to see how how it evolves. I mean, uh, you know, it was noticeable that there were many, many more Instagram lives happening. Um, I would say in March twenty twenty, at the start of the pandemic, than than now. Um, so maybe, yeah, people were just sort of, you know playing with the format and, and maybe found that long term it wasn't for them which you know which is it is great you know to to experiment with something new and give it a try always keep an open mind in in, in my view um I, I would say though you know it, it, it's interesting that the the podcast listening i believe on the whole went down at the start of the pandemic in march 2020 but it actually pretty quickly rebounded back just as people made those new habits so so whereas maybe before they were listening on the on the metro or in the car now they were listening on the morning walk or sure. while they were on the i don't know the the trainer at home or, or you know the, the 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 cycle at home whatever whatever they they're doing or cooking or, or you know whatever whatever it else so it's just yeah getting into those new those new habits and and making it sort of you know part of those new habits but mm-hmm. listening has been and especially in, you know in my uh, case has, has been very very steady and has, has grown actually through the pandemic good well that's great i know that you're putting out such good content and it's been uh, helpful for so many people going through WSET programs and mm, learning mm. about different wine regions around the world. So one of these days, I hope we have a chance to raise a glass of Texas wine together. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I think. Uh, yeah. And, and uh, this is the thing, uh, you know, it's sometimes, sometimes it's, it's good to have that constraint. You know, I have to get my myself over there, which, you know, I'd absolutely love to do. Um, and it sounds as though with that 95% figure, I'm going to have a really good selection of 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 wines to try and and, and lots of producers of, of different sizes as you say the, the you know the kind of uh, you know the original producers the new producers you know it, it, it from the outside looking in which is which is all i can do at the moment it really does feel and really does seem like a really exciting place to be in the in the wine world well, come visit when you can. I would say that another untold story of Texas wine is just about Texas hospitality. So you're always welcome. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Hey, thanks, Lawrence. In the show notes, you'll find ways to connect with Lawrence, a sample of the audio tasting note that we discussed, and even a free guide to start your own podcast. You can connect with Lawrence on Instagram at Interpreting Wine and listen wherever you get your podcasts to hear what region he's exploring next. Stay tuned. Now it's time for a Texas wine gold star. The gold star goes to Virginie Nagon Malak, wine director and co-owner of Avanti Restaurant in Dallas, which she co-owns with her husband. She oversees a Wine Spectator Award 
of Excellence winning wine list of about 110 selections. And I actually read about her in the November issue of Wine Spectator. She's also an executive at Mary Kay, and she is from Burgundy, France. Virginie has spent her career at Mary Kay and her position as wine director at Avanti Restaurant to promote women's issues. She's committed to achieving a gender-equal wine list by 2022, which means that half of the list will be selections from wineries with women leaders, from CEOs and founders to winemakers and strategic business executives. In her recent Wine Spectator interview, one quote really caught my eye. Wine Spectator asked, aside from the gender equality mission, do you have any other goals for the wine program that you're working on right now? And Virginie says, the list is more Italian and Mediterranean driven because of the cuisine we have, but I wanted to have some local wine. I'm still a bit surprised to see that there are some very good wines here and that Texans have still not totally embraced their own wines. So this is something I'm working on like making sure I offer some Texas wines by the glass and that there's always some representation for Texas on the list. Well, cheers to that, Virginie. And rather than a demerit today, I've got a brief educational segment for you. Sometimes we use terms and don't exactly define them. So here's a definition of a common phrase you may hear in Texas tasting rooms or in wine regions around the world for that matter. The term is Bordeaux blend or Bordeaux style wine. Of course, Bordeaux is the port city in southwest France that is the hub of the Bordeaux wine-growing region. And red wines from Bordeaux are highly desired because they age so well, there's such a rich history, and they're held in very high regard. There are specific red grapes that make up a red Bordeaux blend, and they're sometimes called the noble grapes of Bordeaux. They're Cabernet Sauvignon, Merlot, Cabernet Franc, Malbec, and Petit Verdot. And very occasionally, Carmenere is included in the mix as well. Usually, the Malbec and the Petit Verdot are very small parts of the blend. And the Cabernet Sauvignon, Merlot, and Cab Franc make up the majority of the blend. So when you see a reference to a Bordeaux-style blend on a Texas wine label, expect that the primary grapes are Cabernet Sauvignon, Merlot, Cabernet Franc, Malbec, and Petit Verdot. Or maybe you won't even see Bordeaux referenced, but you'll recognize a wine as a Bordeaux blend when you see what grapes are included. That's the case with one of the favorite William Chris wines called Hunter. It's a blend of primarily Merlot with Malbec. There's also the Driftwood Estates wineries, Alamo Red, a blend of 50% Cabernet Sauvignon, 40% Merlot, and 10% Malbec. Messinahoff makes the popular Paolo Bordeaux blend. And of course, Ben Calais makes a couple of Bordeaux-style blends under his Calais label. One is called RD and is his right bank blend that leads with Merlot and also includes Cab Franc and Cab Sauve. The RG blend is his left bank blend that includes these same grapes plus Petit Verdot. These are just a few of the many examples of Bordeaux blends in Texas. You may also hear of a white Bordeaux blend. These wines are made primarily of Sauvignon Blanc and Simeon. I'm not actually aware of any Texas wineries making a Sauv Blanc Simeon blend, but if you know of one, I'd love to hear about it. Climate change has added a twist to this discussion as regions, including Bordeaux, are starting to allow other great varieties to combat the effects of climate change. In 2019, Bordeaux proposed adding seven new grape varieties to the varieties that are already permitted. And these 
varieties were suggested because of their ability to flourish, even in difficult growing conditions. But the grapes are allowed to be just 10% or less of the blend. Like Texas, Washington State makes some great Bordeaux-style blends, and if you're interested in learning more about the wines of Washington, check out Interpreting Wine Podcast, episodes 443 to 445. There's also a podcast dedicated to the wines of Washington, and it's called Decanted. They've released 45 episodes with various producers in Washington. I actually found this podcast and connected with the hosts when I started this podcast. Cheers. If you want to make my day, there's a couple things that you could do for me. One is follow and subscribe to this podcast so that you don't miss an episode. Next is to leave a review. Thanks to everyone who's written a review on Apple Podcasts. Stars are great, but your actual comments are even better. Next is to engage on social media. Please follow my social media channels at Texas Wine Pod on Instagram primarily, but also Facebook and Twitter. Then comment and share. You'll help me find new listeners who are interested in Texas wine. And finally, feedback. I'd love to hear your comments, questions, or ideas for future episodes. You can email me at TexasWinePod at gmail.com or even leave me a voicemail at 802-585-1286. Thanks for helping this little podcast grow. That's it for now. Thanks to all my new listeners who are discovering the podcast and are making an effort to visit my website to buy me virtual Texas wine to help support the podcast. Podcasts are always free to listen to, but not free to produce. So if you're inclined to support the podcast, you can do that by visiting thisistexaswine.com and clicking on support the podcast tab. As you know, this podcast runs on Texas wine. And thanks to Texas Wine Lover website and Jeff Cope for helping promote the podcast. Visit TXWineLover.com to help you plan your next winery visit. Join me in two weeks for my next episode. And thanks for listening to This is Texas Wine. Cheers, y'all.